Good morning. Glad you're here. Uh, welcome to Hope Community Church. I'd like to say hi to those who are attending virtually. Uh, we're in phase one of kind of re-entering, and so what we're doing, we're meeting in person, and we'll continue to meet virtually. And we are doing children's and youth ministry virtually with some events. So, for instance, the children are meeting this morning, and they're not meeting every morning, but gradually we will reintroduce more and more things. We'll have worship, and the elders are going to be meeting in the next week or so. We're kind of looking at conditions and opening up phase at a time. One of the things we're doing then to be sensitive is you'll notice that we're not going to do an offering naturally. We're not having coffee, etc., just to be able to do what we can to reduce the possibility. So you'll notice then that there are black boxes at each of the exit. And so if you are in a position to be able to give, that's how we'll do that. Um, there is a, um, we are going to be at the banquet on October 31st. And in every weekly email, we include John Stratman, his contact information. Uh, if you don't get the weekly email, you're probably just not on the email list. And if you would like to be on that list, call the church office, 3-3-6-0-5-3-3-8-7-6-4-9, or you can, because that will have John's contact information. If you, if you also, another way you can do that, you can leave a slip in one of the offering boxes indicating your name and address and so an email address and so we'll include you in those mailings so you can be a part of that i, I imagine we still need so we, we need we have a reduced crew because it's not going to be dealing with guests in on site but giving bag lunches so not bag lunches Box lunches. Yeah, that sounds way better than a bag lunch. Okay. Let me uh, let me open up some prayer, and then we'll move on with our service. <clears throat> Father, thank you for your purposes and your promises. Thank you that in times of turmoil, you tell us to be still and know that you are God. And that doesn't mean that we are calm as a cucumber, it does mean that we can know that you're with us when we go through difficult times. Thanks for that. And uh, we ask that you would continue to guide us as we walk through these times. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in the middle of talking about God's commitments and it's a fair question to say, well, you know, the commitments, why aren't we talking about God's commandments? Um, the fact is, before we can keep God's commandments, we need to believe that God will keep his commitments. I'm going to say that again. Before we can keep God's commandments, I believe that we need to believe that God will keep his commitments. The Bible says this, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And what it indicates, our love for others is an echo of God's love for us. As we understand and believe 
in God's love for us. That gives us the ability to be able to extend love to others. Um, this morning, we're going to focus on the fourth of the Ten Commitments, which is God loves you. These commitments are taken from Hebrews 4, verses 12 through 16. The first four, God sees you, God sympathizes with you, God deals gently with you, and God loves you. I'm going to read that verse again um, from which we get the first four commitments. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. Talk about the fact that God loves you. It says in this verse, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We learn two things about God's will in this passage. Um, both are expressions of love. So we learn two things about God's will. Both of these things are expressions of love, and both have to do with times of need. God's will is that we approach him with confidence in times of need. That's the first thing that we'll talk about. God's will is that we would learn to approach him with confidence in a time of need. And we're going to talk about what that means. And his will is that we would receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. His will is that first that we approach him with confidence in a time of need. The word confidence is important. It has the idea of entering into the office of a ruler or a king, and once entering into the office or the chambers of that king to speak freely. If you were a Roman citizen, and there was a public forum, they were getting ready to do business, or they had some type of public forum where the citizens would be invited to come. If you were a Roman citizen and there was something being debated, debated, you had the right they called parousia, and that's this word confidence. It's not just that you can show up at the public meeting and nobody's going to, hey, it's not just that. It's that at the public meeting, if you said, could I be heard, 
then you, because you had this Roman right of parousia as a Roman citizen, you would be given the right to be able to speak. I recognize you, you're a citizen. And that's what it means when it says, let us with confidence approach the throne of grace. God is the dignitary. And what he's inviting us to do, really commanding us to do, is to enter into his presence, but not just to enter into his presence, to speak freely with him when we're there, to tell him about our thoughts, our feelings, what we want. This is the command that we approach the throne of grace with confidence in a time of need. A question, when you think of speaking freely, ask your question, who can you speak freely with? Think about a person that if you're distressed, if you're going through something, there's, there's a problem that you're having. I want you to think about your friends, your neighbors, your family. Who can you speak freely with? I imagine when you think of that person, they have the ability to see you. They pay attention to you when you talk to them. They sympathize with you. If you tell them something, this person that you've thought about, I would imagine they're the type of person who, when you told them, hey, could we talk? I've really got an issue. They'd sit down and they'd say, hey, what's going on? And if you tell them about it, they'll say, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. We tend to speak freely with somebody who sees us, who sympathizes with us, who deals gently with us. They, they're not harsh. They're not judgmental. They really want to know somebody who loves us. The reason why commitments one through four are in place where he says, God sees you. I think, I think God says, I see you. God sees you. He sympathizes with you. He deals gently with you and he loves you. The reason for that is God wants you to approach the throne of grace. And he wants you to learn, wants us to learn to speak freely with him. And that's why he tells us that he sees us. And that's why he tells us that he sympathizes with us. And that's why he tells, tells us that he deals gently with us. And that's why he tells us he loves us. Not so that we would just, we would be reverent, but that we would learn to express ourselves to him in time of need. He wants us to approach the throne of grace with confidence in a time of need, and he wants us to receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. In God's dictionary, love tends to be a verb, not a noun. It's something active, God helping us. So here's what it says when it's describing how we ought to love one another. In 1 John 3, it says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him. How can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but in actions and in truth. When somebody has a, is in a time of need, love doesn't simply mean, hey, I'm sorry to hear it, if we can roll up our sleeves and do something. Uh, God's love is more practical than emotional. He expresses his love by helping us in times of need. So two things. God wants us to approach him and speak freely in times of need. And he wants 
us to receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Those are two things about God's will. And those who have known God in the Bible have understood this, like David. David was called a man after God's own heart. To be someone after the heart of another person is to be someone who is in agreement with another person. If I say, you are a person after my own heart, what that's saying, you are someone I can agree with. We tend to see things the same way. We tend to resonate with one another. That's what it means. And that's what David was with God. That doesn't mean that David did everything perfect. When he committed adultery with Bathsheba, you know the story, he committed adultery with her, then her husband came back, he had him put on the front line so that he would be executed. Then Nathan the prophet came, told David a story about this guy had a bunch of sheep, and this other guy had one sheep, and he took the sheep, and David said he was livid, and Nathan said, you're the man, David. You know, Uriah, he had a wife, and you took her. What ended up happening, Nathan told David, "Um, because of what you did, the child's going to die. The child became sick, and David mourned and prayed and fasted and went without food. When the child died, they were afraid to tell him because they didn't know what to do. He saw them talking with one another, and he said, is the child dead? And they said, yes. I want you to think, what would you have done? You are the king. You're in a position of divine responsibility. You not only commit adultery, but murder. Because if you did that, then the child that was born... This woman, she was, became pregnant, and then the child died. Here's what David did. He heard them talking. He said, David, the child's dead. David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotion, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. His servants asked him, Why are you acting in this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat? He answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me, and let the child live. But now that he is dead... Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. David had learned to speak freely with God. He cried out to God in times of need, and he had a time of need. And what he did, even though the time of need was something that he caused, he cried out to God, God, I pray that you'd help this child to live. And he ended up receiving mercy and grace to help As a result, listen to what happened. After David went into the temple to worship, 
It says, then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and lay with her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. And then it says, the Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. Jedidiah means loved by the Lord. David was in a position, he poured out his heart to God. And because he did so, he ended up going in to comfort his wife Bathsheba. They had a son named him Solomon, loved by the Lord. And this he became then a very notable figure. It's very difficult, isn't it, when we fall short of God's expectations and of our own expectations. What we have a tendency to do is withdraw from God. To say, God doesn't want to talk to me. That's not the truth. In a time of need, whether it's stumbling morally or dealing with a pandemic, whatever the time of need is, God wants two things. He wants us to come to the throne of grace and speak freely with him. Not just pattern prayers. Now, pattern prayers are fine. But he wants us to learn to pour out our heart to him. And he wants us to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Um, How could David do this? How could he do that? How could he not get swallowed up by guilt? Here's what it says. There's a psalm, Psalm 51. It's a psalm David wrote after he had done this act. Here's what it says in Psalm 51, verse 1. And there's, it gives us a picture here of why David was able to respond as he did. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Here's the way it was for David. Let this finger represent David's sin. If I'm focusing on this, if I'm focusing on my finger, I'm looking at you. My finger is, I can see it very clearly. Every, all of you are fuzzy. And David didn't do this. You know what David did? His sin was before him, but he didn't focus on his sin. He focused, now I'm focusing past this onto you. I can see you clearly now because I'm looking at you. Now, I can still see this, but it's you're clear. And you know what David did? Even when he failed, David understood that God really wanted to connect with him. God wanted him to speak freely with him. And God wanted to give him mercy and grace. And because David believed that about God, even in a difficult time, he went to God, and because he went to God, he was able to comfort and receive something, another child that was loved by God. This is what God wants. This is his will. You know what we we deal with. That's God's will, but we have our won't. You know, when we get in a difficult place, opening up and speaking freely with God, that's not that doesn't really come natural to us. And, and you know what? That seems to be the way it is. In the, when the, God was leading the Israelites through the wilderness, um, 
in year one, and they were in the wilderness walking around 40 years. In year one, um, what God told Moses, when they came to a place where there wasn't water, he said, strike the rock and it will produce water for you. And so he did. And then they walked around in the wilderness for 39 years. And in the 39th year, they came right back to the same place. And God said, speak to the rock and it will produce water for you. Remember what Moses did in this case. He didn't speak to the rock. He whacked it twice with a stick. <laughs> it's, we don't tend to learn the lesson. They didn't, neither do we. You know what God wants to teach us? We wander around in things. He really wants us, he really wants to teach us to talk to him. Do you know what God wants for you? He gives you the right of parousia. He would have you enter his presence and speak freely with him there. That's why he tells you, I see you. I sympathize with you. I deal gently with you. And I love you. Because when we feel seen, sympathized with, treated gently, and loved, we can begin to open our heart and to speak freely with somebody like that. That's why God tells us he's committed to us, so that we would do what he wants. Um, one of the things that makes it hard is that there are some things in the Bible that, that seem harsh. The Old Covenant, God seems pretty severe. And if you've read it, there's some parts that don't make you feel like you can open your heart to God. Um, Here's what Paul said about the Old Covenant. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and the whole world may become accountable to God. The Old Covenant does this. Makes us close our mouth. Guilty or innocent? Covet, commit adultery, lust, kill anybody, anger is the same thing. The old covenant closes our mouth. And the new covenant opens it. You know the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant? I could, I think we can reduce it to a word. And that word is sympathy. God sent Jesus so that he could occupy a body, that we could know that Jesus understands. He understands why we do what we do, and he sympathizes with us. Jesus was God, but he was a person, and he understands what it's like to be pulled in half by different desires. When he came the night before he was to die, he said, Father, let this cup pass. Did he want to die? He didn't, but he did want to die. See, he understands what it's like to be pulled by different feelings. You know what Jesus knew that we don't? I want you to imagine, think about being Jesus. And it's the night before he's going to die. And he knows that this is why he come to earth. And he is aware inside of himself 
that he both wants to die and is willing to and he doesn't want to. What would you do? I'd try to push down the part of me that, that didn't want to die. <laughs> I'm going to have to die in a day. I mean, I can't be dragging around. You know what Jesus did? He spoke freely with the Father. He said, you know what, Father? Let this cup pass from me, if it's possible. But not my will, but your will be done. You know what he did? He poured out his heart to him. He spoke freely with him. You know why he did? Because he knew the Father saw him. He knew the Father sympathized with him and dealt gently with him. He knew the Father loved him. Do you know that the Father sees you and sympathizes with you? I'm not making it up. Deals gently with you and loves you. I think it's important because when we make room for his commitments, it gradually allows us to speak freely with him. Make room for his commitments. Think about his commitments to you. And we're going to continue to focus on them. Again, God sees you. Make room for that. God sympathizes with you. God deals gently with you. He loves you. He changes you. He chooses you. Good is ahead of you. Good is guaranteed to you. God gives you the power to persevere. God gives you the power to be content. As we make room in our minds for these commitments, what we find is it helps us to do what God wants. Can you remember what God wants? Two things. Two things, and I close with this. God wants us to learn to approach the throne of grace with confidence that's to come to him in prayer and to speak freely with him that's what he wants and he wants us to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need making room for his commitments helps us to do god's will let me pray for us father thank you for your commitments to us and i think it really is true to the degree we believe, make room for, look at your commitments, we find the ability to do what you command us to do. Part of your commandments are, again, that we approach the throne of grace, speak freely, so that we, receive, we can receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Thank you for your commitments to us. In Jesus' name, amen. And thanks for coming. What we're going to do, we're going to ask you to Again, find the closest exit, and it's outside a little bit windy, but it's still pretty nice out. So please, we invite you to stick around and visit. The kids are out there, so see, I think they've been playing with Gideon and doing the army, so they're setting up camp, and they had, they had a good time this morning. And hope to see you again.